The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Shalom, Maranatha. Can I have a seat here? Um, this, is a, uh, this is the first time I've been back to Maranatha Chapel uh, since Pastor Ray's homegoing. And uh, our hearts grieve with yours, the, the staff, uh, your family at Cho- Chosen People Ministries. When we, when we heard the news, uh, we were grieving and praying with you all. Uh, Pastor Ray has just touched so many lives. Uh, but this church has always been about Jesus. And um, you guys have a great pastoral staff uh, to continue to carry that legacy forward. And it's just a privilege and a blessing to be uh, a part of this family to be one of your few missionaries to the Jewish people and to come back and celebrate the Passover uh, with you tonight. And um, I was just thinking, if, if Pastor Ray was here, he would just, he would, he would be all about this, right? He would, I love Passover. And uh, so we miss him and uh, I'll just pray for, for you all. Now, this is a a special time of year as we're currently celebrating one of God's Moedim, one of his appointed times, which you know much about here at Maranatha. And uh, Passover was on Good Friday this year, uh, but the holiday is part of the bigger feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So today is the fifth day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread as we celebrate tonight. So we're on day five of seven. And I have a question for you. Have you all been eating matzah all week? Because we're supposed to eat matzah, unleavened bread, for seven days, right? If not, it's not too late to start. So we'll go home tonight and get ourselves a box of matzah. And you, if this is all new to you, you might be wondering, what in the world does matzah have to do with the Lord? Well, you might be surprised as we're gonna see tonight with the Passover. So if the feasts of the Lord are new to you, uh, tonight is a treat. So I hope to accomplish two things tonight. uh, That we will connect with our Jewish roots and take in the full significance of our communion cup and bread through our Passover lamb, Jesus. And secondly, that we'll connect with God's heart for Israel, for the Jewish people. And we'll pray for our Jewish friends that they may see Jesus in the Passover and that they may join us in celebration of the once for all sacrifice for sin that God has made through his son. So that's what I hope to accomplish tonight. And also my wife, Sarah, will lead, uh, lead us in a couple of songs at the end. And those songs will just connect our heart with the Lord and to his people. So I, I can't wait to end on that high note. I mean, as we were, as we were worshiping uh, this, morning, this evening, first thing, it's one of those times where you come up as a teacher and you realize we're going to be out of a job when we get to heaven, Bible teachers, but, but worship leaders are going to continue and uh, just can't wait for that. So I'd like to begin with an observation And that is that the feasts of the Lord have a past, they have a present, 
and they have a future aspect to them. So in the Passover, we look back to God delivering his people from slavery in Egypt. And we look to the present with God delivering us from sin and death through Jesus, our Passover lamb. And we also look uh, forward to the fullness of this holiday when we will celebrate it together at that great messianic banquet of the lamb. If you remember, Jesus pointed to this future Passover celebration when he said that I will not eat of it and drink of it until, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So friends, when we, when we take that bread and we take that cup of our communion, what are we doing? We're proclaiming the Lord's death, that's looking back, until he comes, that's looking forward. So let's get started with our, our Passover tonight. And the Passover begins uh, with the lighting of the candles. So I'll invite my wife Sarah up to light the candles for us as we begin our Passover. And the light of the candles represents the glory or presence of God, the Shekhinah. And the woman lights the candles, brings the presence of God into the home. And it's the same way that through a woman, the light of the world came. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kidshanu al yadei emuna b'yeshua hamashiach, or haolam, u'b'shmo anu madlikim, ne'er shel Pesach. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us through faith in Jesus the Messiah, the light of the world, and in his name we kindle the Passover lights. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. So with that, our Passover begins with the lighting of the candles. Now you see here in front of me, we have, we have four cups in the modern Passover. And each of those cups have a name. We have the cup of sanctification, the cup of judgment or plagues, the cup of redemption, and the cup of praise. And the rabbis give the names of these cups from Exodus chapter six, where God makes these four promises to the Jewish people as they're enslaved in Egypt. Um, so what we do is we take the first cup, the one where God says that he sanctifies his people, and we give thanks with the traditional giving of thanks. So I'm gonna go ahead and chant it and I would like you all to respond in Hebrew, so I hope you've been practicing. Your part in Hebrew after I say the blessing is amen. Okay, you knew that was Hebrew, right? Okay, let's try this together. First cup. Baruch Eloheinu melech haolam borei Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And we lean to the left and drink. Now, why do we lean uh, to the left in the Passover? It's because we recline, symbolizing that we are free people. That very first Passover, the Jewish people had to eat it in haste, and they had to get out of there when that 10th plague came. But God brought them into the land as he promised, and every year after that, at the Passover, 
the Jewish people reclined, signaling and symbolizing that they were free people. Now, I mentioned earlier that this is Passover is day one, which starts the seven-day holiday, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Unleavened Bread or matzah. And leaven in the Bible is a picture of sin, a picture of corruption. So unleavened is a picture of perfection or sinlessness. So we have our unleavened bread matzah. And we have a matzah tash, which contains the matzah. It's also called a unity. So this is one piece, but it has one, two, three compartments in it. And each compartment has a piece of unleavened bread or matzah. So there's in compartment one, two, three. And what the father does at this point in the Passover uh, meal is he goes not into the first, not into the third, but he goes into the second or the middle compartment. He takes out that piece of matzah, breaks it. He wraps half in a linen cloth or a pouch. And somewhere in the home, he hides it. So close your eyes while I hide it or pretend you're not looking. Dad hides that piece and returns the other half to the middle compartment. And this is an ancient Jewish tradition that's shrouded in mystery, and it's still done in the modern Passover today. It's called the yachutz, or the breaking of the middle matzah. And if you ask the rabbis, what does the three represent in the matzatash? They'll say it represents the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which means that the middle one is the one that represents Isaac that's taken out, broken, wrapped in a cloth, and hidden. In the fullness of revelation, as, as in the New Testament, uh, as followers of Jesus, what do we see when we celebrate this in the matzatash? We see a beautiful representation of the character and nature of our God, that we worship one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Isn't that fascinating that that's still done today? That's the yachutz, the breaking of the middle matzah. Now next we take the second cup, and this is the cup of judgment or plagues. And with this cup, what we do is we take our pinky, we dip into the cup, and we drop 10 times as we recount and scream out the 10 plagues that God brought on the Egyptians. And what we're symbolizing in that uh, especially with the 10th the plague was the death of the firstborn and the weeping and wailing that was taking place in Egypt when that took place. But wine in the Bible is a symbol of joy or a symbol of rejoicing. So normally we would fill the cup to overflowing because our, our joy is overflowing. Our cup runneth over at the Passover. But with the second cup, we remove a little bit and a little bit of our joy is diminished as we consider the destruction that was brought on the Egyptians and the wailing over the death of the firstborn. It says in Ezekiel that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. 
And that's what we symbolize with the second cup, the cup of plagues or judgment. And as believers in Jesus, we can think about this cup and remember that it's our Lord Jesus, our perfect Passover lamb who fulfills this holiday. He is the one who took our judgment. He is the one who took that all upon himself. So we give thanks for the cup of plagues or judgment. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Pri HaGafen And what do we do? We lean to the left and we drink. And I see people out there confused. Which way is my left or your left? That's our second cup. And here we have our Seder plate. For those that are, have not heard or knew, if you ever go to a Passover Seder and somebody asks you, what's a Seder? What does that mean? Seder just means order. It's the order of the Passover. And this is a Seder plate. And there are a number of elements on the, on the Seder plate that we partake of through the Passover meal. We have um, bitter herbs is our horseradish or maror. We have a sweet apple mixture that looks like cat food. It's called haroset, and it's to resemble the mortar that was used to make bricks for Pharaoh in Egypt. We have uh, salt water. We have parsley. We have a brown hard-boiled egg. And we have the shank bone of a lamb. And this is the only thing that remains because the temple doesn't stand. We don't sacrifice lambs anymore. Uh, we don't eat lamb at Passover. This is all that remains of that Paschal lamb. And the brown hard-boiled egg, how do we get eggs associated with Easter and Passover? What's this all about? How do we get that? Well, the rabbis say that the brown uh, represents the roasted sacrifices that were offered in the, in the temple when it stood. And one of the sacrifices brought on this, this was a festival holiday, one of three, and there was a special roasted sacrifice called the Hagigah, so we remember that with this. And what we do is we, we uh, peel it and we dip it in salt water, the salt reminding us of our tears, and we eat the egg, and it's a mourning over the fact that we have no temple and no longer can offer the sacrifices that God requires. <clears throat> or maybe it's just a Jewish Easter egg, I don't know. But it got into the modern Passover. So the first item we eat in the Passover is our bitter herbs, or maror. And what we do with this is we take a piece of unleavened bread, or matzah, and we dip into the bitter herbs. And God said to eat the Passover lamb with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. And then the rabbis instruct us that you need to take enough bitter herbs that it causes you to cry because we want to relive the bitterness of slavery in Egypt. Um, so that was, a, that was a physical bondage and slavery that the Jewish people were under. But as I said, this holiday points to a future and pointed to a greater fulfillment in the Passover lamb who would take away the sin of the world. And so as believers, what I do when I take the bitter herbs is I remember uh, the bitterness of bondage to slavery that Jesus delivered me from. 
And I think of the words of Paul in Romans chapter 7, where he's, where he's fetching, and he's, 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 he's crying out, and he's basically saying, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I do, I don't want to do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. So I think of that, all that God has delivered me from and saved me from, uh, that bondage to sin, uh, when I take the, the bitter herbs, the bitterness of remembering back. And I'm thankful that the power of sin has been broken over me. Did you know that as Christians, we don't have to sin? I mean, we do, right? But the power of sin over us has been broken through Christ on the cross. So that's the bitter herbs or the maror. And we follow the maror up with the uh, charoset. You want to try that? Charoset. If you're saying a good chet, the spit starts flying. So try it. Charoset. Yeah, I see it flying all over your necks out there. So this is our charoset. And it's apples, cinnamon, walnuts, honey. It's all stirred together. And it looks like uh, clay or mortar. And what we do is we take uh, two pieces of matzah. And we make a brick sandwich with our haroset or our mortar. And we dip in there and we eat. Now, another way to take this in the Passover is you put a little bit of maror, a little bit of bitter, and you put a lot of sweet, a lot of the haroset. And what we're symbolizing with that is that we can withstand bitterness uh, with the Lord in our lives. It's sweetened uh, by the hope of freedom that we have in the Lord. So we overpower that bitterness uh, with the sweetness at the Passover. Okay, next we take the, the last element on our Seder plate. We take the parsley. And what the parsley reminds us of is the hyssop of old. So if you recall when God gave the instructions about the Passover lamb, what were they to do? This is, there's so much we can say here. This is fascinating. God said, first of all, on the, on the 10th of the first month, the month of Nisan, every family is to take a lamb into their home. And they have, you have the lamb in your home from the 10th to the 14th of Nisan. And during that time, you're to inspect the lamb. The lamb is to be without blemish, perfect, spotless. And that pointed to what came later when Jesus came, the Messiah. He came on the 10th of Nisan, we call it Palm Sunday, where he presented himself to his people in Jerusalem as the Lamb of God. And he underwent a time of inspection, right? If you recall, uh, the religious leaders were, were trying to accuse him and trying to find sin and fault in him for those four days. And Pontius Pilate cried out, I find no fault in this man. He's innocent. He was a lamb. Uh, without blemish, without spot. So they were supposed to take the lamb of old in temple days, without blemish, take it into your home. And on the 14th, uh, at twilight, the 14th of Nisan, you kill the lamb, you drain its blood in a basin, and you take hyssop, dip it in the blood of the lamb, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts of the house. 
And what did God say? He says, when I see the blood, the angel of death will pass over that home and that home would be spared. Remember, a past, a present, a future. That was a beautiful picture, preparing God's people for the final sacrifice to come, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Jesus, our Messiah. And when we take his blood without blemish and we apply it to the doorposts of our hearts by faith, what do we promise? That death will pass over us and we'll have eternal life. So the temple doesn't stand. We don't sacrifice lambs anymore. What do we do? We take salt water, the saltiness of our tears and slavery. We dip our parsley or our carpas and we eat. So at this point in the Passover Seder, uh, we, would, we would stop and we would pause for a meal. Um, I want to see if I can do this. I want you to really see. I don't want to drink this all, but I'm going to. Because I want you to see that at dinner, by the time you have dinner, you have, you have uh, part, partaken of two cups. There's two cups before dinner, and there's two cups after dinner. So we would break for the Passover meal, and as I said, at this point, the, um, we don't eat lamb. Most Jewish people don't eat lamb on this holiday. We eat chicken, brisket, matzo ball soup, but we don't eat lamb. And uh, during the meal, what happens is... Uh, <clears throat> that the children are sent into the house at the end of the meal to find that broken, hidden piece of matzah that dad put aside earlier. Remember that? So the child, they, they run around. The child that finds that piece that dad hid brings it back to the father. He gives it to the father. The father gives the child a reward, usually money. In effect, the father is redeeming that piece. And then he unwraps it. And he breaks a piece off for everybody in his family to distribute. And uh, that is the last thing that you eat in the Passover. And in Jewish homes, they call it the dessert. Because by Jewish law, you're not allowed to eat anything else after this piece. It's the last thing you savor in your mouth. And uh, this piece is a special piece. It goes by the name of afikomen, which is a Greek word. So we have a Greek word in the Jewish Passover. So we kind of get the time frame of when this must have originated. It was in the Greek period when they, were, when they were speaking Greek. Now, were they speaking Greek in the days of Jesus? The second temple period when the, when the temple stood? Yes. So it's called the afikomen, which itself is kind of shrouded in mystery. What, what does afikomen mean? Well, some have figured it, it comes from a Greek word, epikomos, which means that which comes after, maybe after the meal. Uh, messianic, some Messianic believers see a second coming scenario here where Jesus comes to fulfill the first time and he comes after, after to completely fulfill what this holiday is all about. So it's the afikomen. Now, uh, a few more things about this piece, the afikomen. Uh, 
is in modern Judaism, in the days of the temple, when Jesus sat down with his disciples, the central thing that they would uh, partake of at the Passover meal would be the lamb. It's the Passover lamb. They kill it and they're eating the lamb. Now, at some point in that last supper with Jesus and his disciples, he took a piece of bread and he took a cup and he instituted our communion. Um, the question I have is, um, why did he take, take a piece of bread? Why didn't he take, point to the lamb? If he is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and he was leaving his people something to remember him by, why didn't he point to the lamb and say, every time you take the lamb, remember me? Why did he take the unleavened bread or matzah? Well, shortly after this, he would give his life. 40 years later, the temple would be destroyed and there would be no more lamb offerings. He provided himself a once for all sacrifice. And what's fascinating is that in the modern Passover, what comes to represent the lamb and be central in the Passover is the matzah. It comes to represent the lamb. So matzah is without leaven, right? It's sinless or perfect. It represents the lamb. It's also pierced through. There are these holes so that the leaven doesn't rise. So it's pierced and it's bruised or it's striped. Now, does that sound familiar to you? Through the prophet Isaiah, God promised that the Messiah would come and what would he do? He would be pierced through for our transgressions and by his stripes, by his bruising, we would be healed. Not only that, this piece, where did it come from? This piece came from the three in one. It came from the middle compartment, the one that represents, by Jewish reckoning, that represents Isaac. And Isaac is a type of Christ. He's a beautiful picture. If you remember the story, Abraham was to take his son, his only son, Isaac, and to sacrifice him on the mount. And what happened? God interrupted the scene and he provided a substitute sacrifice. And he said there that in the future, I will provide myself a sacrifice. So Jesus is a type of Isaac and Isaac is the one who's taken. Or according to our reckoning, this is the second person, the middle person in the Trinity. It's the one that represents the son, that represents the lamb who's pierced who's striped, who's bruised, who's taken out, broken, wrapped in a linen cloth. He's buried, he's resurrected, he's redeemed at a price, and he's broken off for all to partake of. And this is the last thing you savor in the Passover meal. And so Jesus takes maybe this piece, and he takes the third cup, and we know according to the Gospels that it was the cup after supper that Jesus took. And we've just had our supper. The cup that comes after supper in the modern Passover is the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. So the Redeemer takes this third cup, the cup of redemption, which means that the bread behind that is this bread. And together, this is where we get our communion. Isn't that incredible? So we're going to pause right there.
learning what we've done here, uh, the origins of our communion. We're gonna pause here while I invite up my wife, Sarah, to come up and lead us at this point uh, in a song of worship. We're gonna have a little bit more teaching after that before a final song. But as we think about the bread and we think about the cup and what it means and what it signifies, uh, we're gonna sing this song by Aaron Schust. And it's, it's based on the great prophecy in Isaiah 53 uh, that declares that the Messiah would be wounded because of our transgressions, because of our sins, although he never deserved it. The innocent one chose in love to suffer for us. So as we sing this song, I invite you to, to personalize these words about the innocent lamb of God who took our place and suffered our, for our sins, that we would be set free to eternal life. And if you've never trusted Jesus alone for your salvation, today is the day of salvation. And if God is tugging on your heart as we sing this song, and he's tugging on your heart to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, sing these words from your heart unto God. Call upon him for salvation and surrender your life to the creator who loves you. Let's sing. As Joseph explained, this is, these words are taken pretty much from Isaiah 53, which is in the Tanakh, or what we call the Old Testament, and prophesies of the Messiah and who he would be and what he would do. should even look at him rejected and despised our faces turned away surely he bore our griefs and carried all our suffering taking our Punishment and bringing us shalom. And by his bruises, we were healed. And by his bruises, we were healed. And he
Don't go too far, honey. We have another song to do. I love that song. Have you ever heard that before? Anybody love that song? It's beautiful. What response do we have to what the Lord has done for us other than to take that fourth cup, which is the cup of praise? It's the way that the Passover ends. And what God is teaching us through these cups is he says, I will sanctify you as my people. I've chosen you to be mine. I brought judgment on your enemies. I've redeemed you through the blood of the lamb. And then we take the fourth cup, the cup of praise, where God says, I now will take you as my people and I will be your God. So let's uh, give thanks for this one together if I don't spill it. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam borei pri hagafen. Beautiful. And what do we do? Recline to the left. We're free people. Amen. So with that, our, our Passover is coming to a close. We've had all four of our cups at the Passover Seder. And there's one thing that we do in, at the end of the Seder is, uh, you see here on my left, you see an empty place setting. That's for the prophet Elijah. So in, in Jewish understanding and reckoning, uh, there's the belief that the Messiah will show up on Passover but he'll be preceded by Elijah the prophet. So there's a spot for Elijah, because we're looking for the Messiah to come, and we know uh, we're looking for Elijah to precede him. So what happens in the Passover is the children are sent out into the door to go out 
look outside the home and see, is Elijah here? Because we know if Elijah comes, right behind him is our, is our Messiah. And we wait. The children look all around and they come in. And Elijah's not here. And at the end of the Passover, we say, Next year in Jerusalem, next year in Jerusalem, the, ta- the seat is still empty. So there's this, um, there's this disappointment at the end of the Passover where the Jewish people are still waiting for Elijah to come and they're still waiting for their Messiah. And that grieves my heart that by and large, the Jewish people are an unreached people group. They haven't heard the gospel message. They haven't encountered true Christians to present Jesus in such a way that they recognize and that we can proclaim Jesus came as your Messiah, as promised, right on this holiday and fulfilled it to a T. And by the way, before him came John in the spirit and the power of Elijah to fulfill that role as the herald of the Messiah to come. So we're going to close with uh, another beautiful song by the same artist, Aaron Schust. It's called Zion. And this song, if you haven't heard it, I would encourage you to look it up on YouTube. It's a compilation of Old Testament scripture, and it declares God's covenant faithfulness and his covenant love for Israel and for the Jewish people. And it oozes God's love for his people and his desire for them to return so that he can scoop them up in his arms and gather them to himself. And as he does so, the the restoration of Israel, the restoration of the Jewish people, it's both physical and it's spiritual. God intends, if you, the dry bones prophecy, right? It happens in two stages. First, God intends to bring his people home physically to the land of Israel. And then spiritually, he intends to bring them back to himself through his son. So as we, as we sing this song together and close, let it, be a, let it be a prayer of intercession, a prayer for Israel to recognize Jesus, the Passover lamb, and to return to the Lord through faith in him. And friends, that day is coming, and that day when all Israel will be saved, and it's going to be glorious. But this song is not only about Israel. We recognize God's love for us in God's love for Israel. So we can sing this song as believers, knowing that the same God who loves Israel loves his children who are in Christ. Our Father deeply and passionately loves us just as he loves them. And we, we are echad in him, all who believe in Jesus. So let's sing this song. Hear his promise of love 
Pastor Danny's going to come close us out. Chag Pesach Sameach, everybody. Happy Passover. Thank you so much. Why don't we go ahead and close with a word of prayer. And as we do, just a couple of things to remember. Uh, in the foyer, there's a couple of resource tables, uh, chosen people materials you might be, want to stop by and visit. Uh, the other thing is we will have some of our prayer team up here after the service. If you would like to come forward and receive prayer, it would be great. Um, we're going to finish uh, chapter 4, the book of Ruth, next week. encourage you to come out, but let's go ahead and bow our hearts. Father, we thank you the ways uh, that you communicate uh, to us. On a monthly basis, on a regular basis here at Maranatha Chapel, we take the, the fruit of the vine and the, and the bread and we remember. And even tonight, Lord, we have a, a different perspective to remember the story uh, to remember that we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we're still so grateful impacted by this last weekend, the Resurrection Sunday. So Father, we just pray your blessing upon each and every one who is here this evening, as well as those who've joined us online, even those who are out on Solomon's porch. We pray for um, our friends, uh, who have come and visited tonight, Lord. We pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our midweek revive service held Wednesday evenings. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.